The topic of the Trinity is becoming a hot subject for discussion. More and more people are defending it or at least affirming some version of it. There is a recurring and common denominator that permeates all such efforts, a mounting resistance to the message of the Father and His only begotten Son. This is how one preacher puts it. I think we need a straight testimony now about this Godhead issue. Not because it's anything that I have pushed, but I've watched it being pushed our direction for years, and now it's being pushed from people that are in this movement. We need to be clear, at least, at least for Jeff Pippinger and at this point for Future for America. Does Jeff Pippinger speak in harmony with inspiration on this topic? What about the Adventist pioneer view on the Godhead? Was that true or false? We'll find out today on Prove All Things. Hello, my name is Nader Mansour and this is Prove All Things. It's become a common trend today for people to condemn the father and son message and warn others against it. Today, we're dealing with one such video from Jeff Pippinger. Before we go any further, I just want to clarify that I have nothing against Jeff Pippinger personally. I'll only be dealing with the idea and position that he publicly spoke about. This is strictly a theological examination. Pippinger mainly promotes the 2520, so it's interesting to hear what he has to say about the Trinity. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, I'm not a Trinitarian. And for them to claim that we're a Trinitarian is a conscious choice to misrepresent, because they know full well that what the, under, the understanding of the Adventist Church being that there are three persons of the heavenly trio that this is not the definition of the Trinity in Catholicism. And to call that understanding Trinitarianism is dishonest, especially when they are the ones that are the experts on this subject. This is where they focus their subject. Okay, there are different varieties of the Trinity. The position that is described in the video is actually tritheism rather than the Trinity. It is a fact, though, that the Seventh-day Adventist Church does believe in the Trinity. All you have to do is look at the fundamental beliefs and you will find that God is said to be a trinity, one being made up of three persons. That's what Catholicism also says. It is described in the same way, using the same words, and even illustrated in the same way. But anyway, this attempt at distancing the belief of the Adventist Church from the Catholic Trinity stems from a misunderstanding of what the Catholic Church teaches on this subject. Notice. The Catholic definition of the Trinity is one God that manifests itself three different ways depending on time and circumstances. When he was here as Jesus, he was manifesting himself as the Son. When the Holy Spirit is mentioned, he's manifesting himself as the Holy Spirit. The Catholic Church really believes there's one God that manifests itself three different ways. Mm, this is not actually the Catholic Trinity at all. God manifesting himself in three different ways is known as modalism. According to the Catholic Church, this is actually a heresy. It's not what they believe at all. This idea is attributed to Sibelius in the third century. Here's a summary of this error described on catholic.com. 
It's a denial that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are separate persons of the Godhead. Claim instead that they are modes, aspects, energies, phases, or offices of a single divine person. It is to counter this error of modalism that the Catholic Church affirms that the Trinity is not God manifesting himself in three different ways. Here is how the Catechism puts it. The divine persons are really distinct from one another. God is one, but not solitary. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are not simply names designating modalities of the divine being, for they are really distinct from one another. He is not the Father who is the Son, nor is the Son he who is the Father, nor is the Holy Spirit he who is the Father or the Son. They are distinct from one another in their relations of origin. So this is the Catholic Trinity. One God in three persons. This is their cardinal and most fundamental belief. This fact is recognized in the video. That according to Catholicism, its fundamental premier doctrine is the Trinity. And we've seen what it is and what it is not. The current Adventist teaching of the Trinity is the same as the Roman Catholic teaching. But this was not always the case. When God established the Advent movement, the pioneers not only rejected the Catholic Trinity, but all the ideas of God being triune. These were all unbiblical views of the true and living God. This fact, as well as their teaching on the matter, is actually acknowledged in the video as well. So when you deal with this issue, you have to go back to the pioneer understanding, and nine out of 10 times Seventh-day Adventists don't understand that the majority of the pioneers of Adventism understood the Godhead the same way these brethren I call the Godhead define it. That there is one God, God the Father, and that his son at some point in history became the only begotten son of the Father, but there was a point in their understanding where he was, they don't want to say created, they don't want to use that word, but he was brought into existence after the Father was brought into existence, and that when the Bible and Spirit of Prophecy are speaking about the Holy Spirit, they're speaking about either Christ's Spirit or the Father's Spirit, which is their spirit, not a third entity. That is the pioneer understanding. Well, this is an honest and commendable admission. By the way, it wasn't just most of the pioneers, it was actually all of them who believe that way. That's what we believe and teach about God today. Not because the pioneers said it, but because it's what the Bible teaches very clearly about God. Okay, so you can get compilation after compilation where men like James White are defending that position. All right, so you gotta deal with that when you're gonna deal with this issue. So how do people today deal with that glaring historical fact that the God worshiped by the Adventist church today is a different God to the pioneers of the same said church. The video deals with it this way. It's what's been revealed to us, belong to us and our children forever. But when we start trying to uphold a pioneer position uh, that is no longer valid, we're closing off our ability to really understand a revelation of the Godhead that we need to have. I find this rather disconcerting. It really doesn't make sense to me. If the pioneer position on the identity of the true God is invalid, then why promote anything that they taught? If they could be so wrong on something so fundamental as the God that they worshipped, 
Doesn't that put everything else in question? Amazingly, the most popular and common way to discredit the pioneer belief in God is by using the writings of one of the pioneers, Ellen G. White. This book, Evangelism, if you bring this book up to the Godhead people, and I took some statements out of there that I know caused the Godhead people heartburn to deal with them. Actually, the book Evangelism doesn't give us heartburn at all. All the statements there are dealt with in a handy little booklet called Putting the Pieces Together. It's on our website. The book Evangelism is a compilation published after Ellen White's death with carefully selected and edited quotes slanted to push a Trinitarian agenda. Don't take my word for it, do your own homework. Keep in mind that Ellen White went to church with all these other pioneers that firmly rejected the Trinity, and she prayed with them and worshipped the same God as them, and they did not have any heartburn from those statements that she wrote. As a matter of fact, Ellen White warns against changing and removing any of the pillars of our faith, especially when it comes to God. This is what she says in Medical Ministry, page 96. Not one pillar of our faith is to be moved. Not one line of revealed truth is to be replaced by new and fanciful theories. Amen. In clear lines, truth has been given us. Under the guidance of God, books have been prepared which state clearly the truth for this time. If you will not believe these evidences, neither would you believe if one rose from the dead. What pillar of our faith is more important than the God we worship? The God you worship will influence every other teaching and doctrine that you hold to. Not only is it such an important pillar that cannot be moved, but what God has revealed as truth cannot be changed. The context of that warning in the quote is regarding God's personality. You see, new ideas were being promoted contrary to the established faith of the body of believers. Ellen White was saying, beware of new theories regarding God. There was a new revelation of the Godhead at the end of Adventism, the same way there was a new revelation of the Godhead at the end of ancient Israel. There was no new revelation of the Godhead. God did not contradict himself. What he revealed in the Bible and to the pioneers was not to be replaced with some new revelation. As a matter of fact, we just heard a quote from Ellen White that not one line of revealed truth is to be replaced with new theories. The facts are self-evident. Even with Israel, Moses warned against the very real danger of changing gods. Ancient Israel worshipped the same true God from the time of Moses all the way to the time of Jesus. There was no change. But really, can there be any biblical reason to reject the truth about the one true God and his only begotten Son? His word says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. What do you suppose about that verse? Matthew 28, 19. What do the Godhead people teach about that verse? Someone slipped it in. Not really. That verse doesn't prove a trinity at all. It simply teaches that there is a Father, a Son, and a Spirit. That doesn't prove the Trinity or tritheism. Seriously, the verse doesn't even mention the word God at all. You can't just read your views into it. We have an episode about that verse showing how the disciples understood it. Is there anything else that can be used? Some solid concrete evidence that can prove the theory once and for all? 1 John 5, 6-8 you need to determine. Is that part of God's word or is it not? 
1 John 5, 7 is the key verse in that passage. Again, simply quoting it doesn't prove anything, especially if there is already a preconceived notion. I have another episode dedicated to that particular verse. But the interesting thing is that the SDA Bible Commentary says that that verse is not part of the Bible. Again, do your homework and prove all things. The idea that there might be some added or changed passages in the Bible is really disturbing to some people. Here is a revealing statement from Ellen White that is worth repeating here. I saw that God had especially guarded the Bible, yet when copies of it were few, learned men had in some instances changed the words, thinking that they were making it more plain, when in reality they were mystifying that which was plain by causing it to lean to their established views, which were governed by tradition. But I saw that the Word of God as a whole is a perfect chain, one portion linking into and explaining another. Something to think about. This is why we don't just use one verse to prove our doctrines. We use the entire Bible. This is the safeguard against any deviation, even if some minor things were altered or added. You see, we don't prove our doctrines based on verse placement or positioning or even numbers. And if you and I have to assent to the idea that there are passages in the spirit of prophecy or the Bible that are untrustworthy than the type of prophetic study we've been doing for the last 15 years is totally uh, destroyed. And the message we're teaching is foolishness. Ellen White was shown by God, that's the true God, by the way, not the Trinity or tritheism. She was shown that people had changed the words of the Bible in some instances. God wants us to avoid falling into the trap of focusing on just one or two verses to build a doctrine. The Bible is given in a language that can be understood and comprehended by all. From what I understand about the Word of God, it was written that the most simple among us can find salvation. So when we have to define a doctrine based upon some very sophisticated maneuvering, I'm saying the simple among us then that don't have the ability to follow the grammatical maneuvering that's used in the Godhead issue, that you're lost. It's, it's beyond your, your ability to work that out. I, I find it an evidence that their position about the pioneer understanding is incorrect because you have to jump through a lot of hoops to uphold their position. And God is speaking to the most simple among us. The pioneers didn't jump through any hoops to establish their position. They didn't have any sophisticated maneuvering or complicated philosophy in it. It was so simple and plain that any child can understand it. God is indeed speaking to the most simple among us. That's the beauty of truth. It was really easy. They took the Bible as it reads. When it said one God, they accepted that. When it said Spirit of God, they didn't change that to God the Spirit. And when it said Christ is God's only begotten Son, they didn't redefine that word or say it's beyond our comprehension. Only begotten, the Greek word monogenius, one of a kind, one of a kind, something special, never been anything like that. And He is God's only begotten Son. And I'm here to tell you, there isn't any human being on planet Earth that understands what that means. What is revealed, we have to understand and accept and stand on it. Only begotten actually means only born. 
That's how it's used in every single instance of the nine times it appears in the New Testament. It's not incomprehensible. It's what God has revealed about his son. We can't just redefine the word or say we don't know what it means just because it disagrees with our ideas. False views about God, such as the Trinity or tritheism, end up denying the true sonship of Christ. He becomes the unbegotten, begotten son. Now that's very sophisticated maneuvering and hoop jumping. I'm going to counter with you in my feeble little mind saying, if I have to accept that premise, that because the only begotten Son of God is the Son of the Father, therefore He comes into existence after the Father, then I'm telling you, based upon Father and Son, I want to see the mother. Who was the mother of Jesus before creation? I guess by the same reasoning, we should reject the virgin birth of Jesus Christ from Mary. After all, a skeptic may ask, where is the father? And if God can, by a miracle, cause a virgin to have a child, then why is it so impossible to believe that the same God can have a son without needing a mother? Is this really a valid reason to reject the plain teaching of Scripture about the begotten son? Not at all. It is rather more prudent to accept God's word than to sit in judgment over it, based on our human reasoning. The Godhead people will tell you that, at minimum, the Son of God was a lesser God because He was brought into existence by God the Father. I am happy to tell you that's not the case. The Bible does not teach that Jesus is a lesser God. We're told that Christ is the Son of the living God. That means Christ has the full divine nature of His Father. That's the God nature. The Bible says the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in Him. It says he is to be worshipped equally with the Father. It says he is equal with God. It says the Father gave the Son his very own life. And even God the Father himself calls his Son God. That's a full recognition of the divine nature of the Son. He is all these things because he is truly the begotten of the Father. To teach that the Son of God has an inferior nature to his Father is to dishonor both the Father and Son. The Bible is very clear on that matter. The closing remarks in the video seem pretty conclusive. This isn't a subject that we're supposed to get drawn into, is what I'm saying. This, I'm trusting, is recorded and is going to be a public statement about, as far as I got into my study on the Godhead, I didn't need to go any further. The video presents a view of God known as tritheism, but it fails to provide any substantial evidence from the Bible in support of the idea. The entire argument is based on a handful of statements from the book Evangelism. Statements that are all addressed and explained by Ellen White herself when the rest of her writings are examined. She can only be in harmony with what the Bible reveals about God. When we use Ellen White over the Bible to defend our doctrines, we are prone to misapply her writings. The foundation must always be in the Bible, and only after that are we safe from the danger of misunderstanding other writings. Thankfully, there is a note of hope in the video. I'm open to be straightened out. I pray that this will be the attitude of everyone, to be open to adjust your ideas based on God's Word. Don't just go by what people or pastors might say. I invite you to be open to study the matter for yourself. Look at the evidence and remember to prove all things and hold fast that which is good.
Are you looking to take your Bible study to the next level? Do you want to learn how to apply the Word of God in your daily life and share it more effectively with others? My Bible Academy is your online Bible school, offering a free, comprehensive, and dynamic program designed to deepen your understanding and engagement with the Bible. Take the next step in your spiritual growth and enroll to start a course at My Bible Academy today. The courses are designed to equip you with the tools and knowledge you need to share your faith with others. Visit nadamansour.com to enroll and start your learning journey today. That's nadamansour.com. See you there.